Welcome to The E-Show with Neil Rabin. Founded in 2013, the EHL has become the college placement leader on the East Coast. Sit back and learn more about the next step in your junior hockey career. Welcome to The E-Show, presented by the Penalty Box Foundation. The Foundation's mission centers around their daily motto, we take care of our own, as they help out all of those within the hockey community who've experienced a catastrophic event. Learn more at PenaltyBoxFoundation.org. What's up? My name is Neil Raven, and this is episode number 182 of the E-Show. On this week's episode, we wrap up the North Division with the Seacoast Spartans. Jake Basile chats with Brett Trider, looking back on the best season in franchise history for Seacoast. Trotter reflects on what made last year's group so successful and talks about what it's like trying to replace both the league MVP and the league's leading scorer. In the ever-difficult North Division, Trotter hopes that his 23-24 team can drive the momentum created by the Spartans from this past season. Hello, Isho, and welcome to another episode of our Coach's Corner Chat. We have our final team from the North joining us, and that is none other than Seacoast Spartans head coach and general manager, Brett Trider. Since their inception, Spartans have continued to take forward steps, including their first 30-win season taking place just this past year. Before his time in the EHL, Coach Trider coached at the college level with Plymouth State. Coach Trider, thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Good talk, Jake. So this last season being the best year for the Spartans wins and losses wise, when did you realize that this group was capable of something special? Well, I was excited all the, the summer before recruiting the team as it came together. Uh, we had some kids with experience, some kids that proved they could play in the league. Um, you know, obviously uh, with, with two new goalies last year, you, they, they came in strong and that was kind of a nice, uh, not a surprise to add to the team and, um, yeah, I thought from early on from during the recruiting phase that, that, uh, we could have some a pretty good team. And you guys came out of the gate hot at the Worcester showcase winning. And then so you swept that and then you guys won five out of your next six. What do you credit that hot start for? I think again, probably experience, um, you know, they're, they're pretty powerful to have guys that have played in your league and kind of know, you, you know, they know what to expect. Um, so I think the experienced teams will generally get off to a, to a good start. And during that kind of first month stretch where you guys were, were really, were really winning a lot of games, four of your first four losses all came against North division opponents. So did you guys, did you personally view your division as the toughest in the league? I think last year, no question about it. Um, the North was, was definitely stacked last year that the uh the rest of the league isn't isn't uh isn't great as well but the north was just uh it was kind of a special year for the north last year um and we had a lot, a lot of late games with the north so it was uh it's funny the way it was set up that way but uh yeah i would say the north was was the strongest and, and uh you know teams that know each other the best are always tough games for sure and another part of this impressive season was the showcase record and you know you swept the Worcester showcase and in total at the big four showcases where every team is there you guys went 10-1-1 and amongst the best in the league with Worcester and Walpole so why do you think that your team was so difficult to play against uh, in terms of teams that you don't see often um 
I think we played kind of an open style last year. Um, you know, tough to tough to game plan against. Um, we let run a little bit of a, a more natural style. So I think, uh, you know, game planning against us, if we have a good team and put a good good uh, team out there. Uh, it's tough to predict what what we're gonna do. You know, we don't we don't have too much you can coach against. I don't think. Uh, so I think you know, with, with short preparation time. Um, and then again, the, you know, the experienced guys and, and, uh, we played those games to win this year a little more, you know, um, we didn't have a deep roster at those games with a ton of guys that we were, we were trying to, you know, squeeze into a game or something like that. We, we realized those games are like any other game. You, you've got to win them and, uh, you know, played some heavy lineups in those, in those games for sure. And one other question about that. Do you think like a lot, a lot of those games, the line of Preo Max was together and we'll talk to them. We'll talk about them soon. So do you think that line is especially tough to solve for a team seeing them the first time? Oh yeah. They, they were at a, they were at a different level in those showcases. Um, you know, again, unpredictable, but, but smart and, and uh, you know, not too risky. That, that was a, uh, that was a unique line um you know it was exciting to have them together for the time that we did and uh you know again that that that's the example of, of tough to coach against right i, I didn't know what prey was going to do never mind uh somebody trying to defend them you know yeah. so <laughs> um yeah that was a lot of fun watching those guys in the showcases for sure definitely fun for us too and as a whole you kind of touched on this your team was pretty age out heavy lots of experience on this team so how do you think that came into play in terms of the success this year, especially down the stretch into the dog days of the season? Yeah, I think, I think along with the experience came a, a hunger to win too. You know, I think we had a more mentally competitive team. Uh, the team was very together. So they were, they were trying to win games together. It wasn't, there was no uh, selfishness or any of that kind of stuff that creeps into those showcases in the past, you know, with guys really putting pressure on themselves and, and, uh, you know, I've got to produce in front of these college coasters. Um, there wasn't much of that, you know, it was just the, the locker room was, was just, uh, geared up to winning the games, which, you know, eventually helps you play your best hockey. Definitely. And at the Exeter showcase, Tristan Fadda had said to me that, you know, although you guys were on a skid at that point, it was good for you guys to go through that together at that point in the year. So after that, you guys ended up finish this, finishing the season 7-3 and three in your last 10, won your first three playoff games. So what helped you guys come out on the other end of that, you know, you know New Year skid? Yeah, I think, um, you know, teams are adding players at that point and, and getting better. And, um, you know, there's always there's always a little bit of a – of a, you know, a stall in, in your winning, I think. I think it is healthy, but, um, you know, you learn some things during that. You get guys back healthy, and, uh, you know, you, you stay you stay confident. I don't think you, you looked around that room last year, and you felt like you could win every game. And, and uh, you know, even if you lose a few, you're looking around, and you're remembering the things you saw from your teammates and the big goals you got, and, you know, with uh, – especially with that line that we had, you, you never feel like you're out of a game. You know, we won a couple of late ones and, you know, the bench just feels different when, when you've got that, uh, you've got that line and that, that, uh, that scoring ability. You just never feel there's never any stress. You always feel like you can win the game right to the last minute of the game. So a couple of times we were down by, you know, down by a goal or two real late and, and no stress on the bench. You know, just, it was just a mature team. 
you know, by that time of the year, we had won some games and teams are really geared up to play us. Um, you know, always tougher playing with a target on your back. That was something new to us there. Um, you know, teams playing up to us, which, uh, you know, you're bound, you're bound to have a few losses in there. Um, and I think Tristan was 100% right. You know, that, that was good for us. Uh, you'd rather see those losses, get it, you know, get accustomed to that, not freaking out after a loss, learning how to stay confident after a loss. You know, you don't want that first loss to come in your first playoff game, in other words. So, um, you know, I thought I thought uh, Tristan was, was 100% right with it. And moving on to the end of the season, it was just a, a very even series against the Avalanche. So for you, what was the balance between the hurt of that even series loss versus just a great year for the program? Uh, yeah, that loss definitely hurt. Um, I thought, you know, I, I thought and still think that we were probably the better team. A couple of big injuries with uh, Hughes and LeClaire going out, um, you know, Second place is, is is never okay, really. I mean, it, it was it was a great year. We had some great college placements, um, but you know we're we're a crossbar away from uh, from winning that series. And think we would have, you know, we would have gone down to the Frozen Four as the top seed, hadn't won that series. And um, yeah, no, I think I mean a few weeks out of it, a few weeks. When it was done, I think everybody realized we had a, we had a good season, and the placements come in, and you you realize you definitely did. But uh, you know that that was a, a big chance for us to get into that Frozen Four and and win it all. So uh, disappointing for sure, but uh, you know that's the way the game goes, the crossbar away. And three guys who had great college placements were obviously William Prey, Kenny Maxwell, and Drew Oliveri. So looking back to last year, similar to this time. When did you know kind of right away that you wanted to try that trio together? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought they would be good together. You know, uh, Oliveri's got that great vision. Maxwell will go just dig pucks out, and, and Prey's going to get open. So it's uh, you know, with, I knew there were three good players, and I and I thought, and it worked out that their that their styles kind of gelled too. And throughout the season, that group did have to be separated on another on a number of occasions. So, the first time doing that was it kind of difficult for you to to process that this line that has kind of dominated the league needed to be split up. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it was difficult well enough to get a chance to play with those guys, um, you know, and to break up that line. Teams were did match up against it. Um, you know, and, and the kids like Chase LeClaire, James Whitman started playing real well and uh, and good enough to play with the guys. So it was, uh, you know, not, not a no-brainer. It was, you know, I was kind of crossing my fingers, splitting them up, but it, uh, I would say it worked out for the better. Yeah, definitely. And towards the end of the year with Oliveri and Prey split up, both vying for the top spot in points in the EHL, you had said that it would create some internal competition between the two. But did it work out as you expected with Drew kind of dethroning Prey? Because Prey was at the top of the board all year long from pretty much Worcester to March. Yeah, he, he was. And and, uh, and Oliveri was right there. Um, I'll tell you a pretty special story, Jake. One of the one of the uh, better stories I've seen in my coaching career. Uh, we were going into that last game um, against the Wolves. And Prey was ahead of Oliveri by one point. And said, "Hey, coach, you mind if I if I sit out the uh, the Wolves game?" 
And I said, I said, William, aren't you worried about, you know, the scoring title, this and that? And he said, no, not at all. He said, if, if Drew beats me, he'll he'll have a better chance at landing a good school. Uh, Prey had already committed to Plymouth State. Just uh, one of the most unselfish moments I've uh, I've seen in, in a world of self of selfishness. You know, um, it, it was an unbelievable happen. I, I would think that the way Oliver was, that that would happen is the first shift Oliver scored and uh, and tied him. You know, so I think. Uh, you know, a pretty unselfish moment, and and one of the keys to why why the team had some success this year. That's just kind of the way we rolled. Wow, that's that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us for sure. And and that doesn't surprise me knowing knowing Prey and the kind of guy that he is. But and and good for Drew on getting that great commitment to UNE as well. So like right. I said, with all those guys moving on to the college level, do you have any concerns about the Spartans' offense for next year? Yeah. Of course, um, you know, I think I think McMaines is due for a big year. Um, you know, we've signed a few other guys that I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about. Won't let the cat back yet on that, but we, we should have some good forwards coming in. Um, you know, to get that kind of production, we're, we're going to need to do some special things. But, uh, you know, of, of course, replacing that production would be silly for me to say we're, we're uh, you know, we're definitely going to do it or, or this or that. Each team is each team is different. You know, each team uh, requires different systems or amount of systems and depth of systems. Um, so, yeah, they'll, they'll be tough to replace, but, uh, you know, definitely had more interest in our program from uh, recruits with the year we had. So, you know, guys are getting the word. It's a fun place to play. And, and uh, you know, we should, we should have a pretty good team again this year. Love to hear it. And specifically with McMaines finishing the season on – a six-game point streak. What did you see from him growth-wise as the year went on? Uh, he grew a ton. He grew a ton. He was always a kid who, who could see it offensively um, and just had to dial him in. Um, you know, he was a one-man show on a lot of the teams he'd been on, um, and that's always tough adjusting to, a, uh, adjusting to a junior team coming from situations like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he, he, uh, he grew tremendously. Uh, finish the season strong with a line that made sense, and uh, you know, I would expect I would expect a, a great year from him. And on the defensive side of things, you'll have three proven EHL defensemen back in Seamus Cummings, Kyle Hughes, and Jeremiah Snyder, and the latter two, you know, both dealing with significant injuries this past season. As a whole, Seacoast gets a lot of credit for their offense, but you guys didn't give up a lot of goals this year amongst the best in the league in that category as well. So are you expecting the same with those three guys kind of leading the D in this in this next year? Yeah, I think so. You know, if you, if you can make that first pass out of your zone, the, uh, you know, it was a, I think the lack of goals is a tribute to us playing more in the other end than their own, you know, and it's that first pass out by the D-man. It's the it's the good forecheck and it's the holding the blue line on the offensive blue on the offensive side of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, no, nobody, uh, that, that's what we do to coach, right. To try to keep uh, shots out of our, our, off our goalie and uh, out of our net. So, um, you know, I think, I think if you make good decisions around the blue lines, you give up a ton of shots. And Snyder specifically was a guy that was nearly a point per game last year before he got hurt early in the season. So can you just remind people who may have forgotten what he brings to the table? Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. He's, he sees it. He's a great locker room guy. Um, Snyder will get his points this year for sure. He just, uh, 
he's always around the puck. He knows what to do with it. And, uh, you know, he, get, he gets friendly with the, uh, with the officials too. Maybe get a random one here or there. Right. Sounds good. He's, uh, no, he, he's, he's a heck of a player. I'm excited about a D, a D core. Um, you know, those three and in, in, in the few that we've added, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very calm. Yeah. You know, the D has got, got the experience. Um, those guys will help us get out of our zone. So I'm, I'm, uh, you know, really, really happy to have those, those three back. Hopefully it'll be more of the same this year. We, uh, you know, it's always nice playing the game, in the other team's zone. Definitely. And another key part of you guys, your ability to keep pucks out of the net was goaltending and had an unre- unbelievable starter and interest in Fadadad last year, but I had one of the better guys playing behind him and Ben Skelton as well, put up a nine seventeen behind Tristan. So what did he prove to you this past season to show that he could potentially take on a bigger role this upcoming year? Oh, no question that bones is ready. It was uh tough last year. Really it was uh two number ones. I thought, and then Fadadad just having a little more experience. We lean on him a little bit to get him a, a few more games toward the end of the season to be our playoff goalie. There's no doubt in my mind that Bones is ready to go, take the lead. Um, you know, he won plenty of games for us last year. So we're excited to have that experience. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of drive, a lot of dedication, a lot of will too. Bones, he does. So uh, it's always good to have a goaltender with that mentality playing behind you. For sure. Looking forward to seeing the best best nickname in the league back again at Worcester. And uh, <laughs> Absolutely. There were, <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of Spartans youth players who – made appearances at the EHL level this past year. So do you expect them to play any role in this year's team? There could be. Yeah. I mean, we, we like to uh, get those U18 kids some experience. Um, you know, it's good. It's good for our entire program to get them some junior games, you know, get some video of them playing junior hockey uh, to maybe send up to the USHL or the NA. Um, I think four or five of those guys that got games with us, um, as 17 year olds went up and played with the, the Nordiques the next year, uh, you know, so it's good to get them, get them a few games, uh, with us, you know, helping us as one, as one point in the video, they might need to get to the next level. So I think it works out for, uh, for both reasons. And, and, uh, certainly we could, we could have some of that this year. Sounds good. Sounds good. And we'll we'll shift the focus to you a little bit, getting into your background. Spent several years at the college level with Plymouth State. So how did that experience provide you with insight on what the college coaches are looking for from junior players? Oh uh, yeah, you know, you know what they're you know what they're looking for when you coach there. I was there 10 years, so you know, I know the things you kind of can and can't get away with at the at at the uh, division three level or that higher division three level. Um, and that's kind of where I draw my hard line, right? When I let the guys go a little bit, um, you know, I, I, I don't let them do anything that that's not going to be accepted at, at the college level. So that's where I draw, draw that line. Um, you know, basically staying on the right side of the puck, good decisions around the blue line, right? Toes up the ice, presenting your stick for passes, little stuff. Um, that, that at any level of hockey you uh, you have to do so um I, I think it gives me a great idea you know it gives me the good context too um i was at a, at a lot of those coaches weddings and and uh and hanging out with a lot of those coaches so i've got great relationships with those guys so you know it doesn't mean all my guys can play for them but it means that they're all going to get a look you know and 
I think that's pretty important having those connections that way too. Definitely. And there are two guys that will be playing for them. So two of the top guys, uh, William Prey and, and defenseman Eddie Mulligan, they're both headed there. So would you say that, you know, your connection with them is still pretty strong? Yeah, pretty strong. But, you know, as I said, they're not going to take guys that, that aren't ready to go there. They, they, will, they will come look at my guys. Um, and certainly doesn't mean they're going to they're gonna take them, you know, especially a team like Plymouth that's, you know, top 10, top 15 in the country. Um, you know, they can't afford to do any favors by, by taking guys that aren't ready, right? So it's not that kind of connection um, where I can just say, hey, take him, take him. But, uh, you know, it's nice to know that when you have the higher-end guys, uh, those teams are going to come look, the Elmiras, the Babsons, the uh, – you know, UNEs and, and those guys are going to come at least at least look at your guys. So if they're good enough, they're going to see them. For sure, for sure. And once again, to get into your background, both your father and grandfather were coaches. So what lessons from them are, are still with you as you coach today? Oh, everything that comes out of my mouth, one of those two would have said at one point, I'm sure. Um, it's a copycat. It's a copycat job, right? That's what everybody says about coaching. Um I'm, 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 you could cut me down the middle. My, my, uh, my grandfather was strict, you know, no, no BS guy. Uh, my father was more of a, uh, a fun loving, you know, let, let's play, let's be natural athletes kind of guy. Um, so I, I see quite a bit, quite a bit of myself and, and, uh, in those two guys and, and all their friends, right. All their friends were teachers and coaches too, you know, Mike Gilligan from UVM and all, all those, uh, all those guys that used to be around the house, you know, that, that uh, just learn the mannerisms and, and what they talk about when they're, when they're away from the, when they're away from the rink. Right. So um, certainly, certainly, you know, coming from a, a, li a long list of uh, teachers and some kind of wired, wired that way and don't know what else I'd be doing. Definitely. Definitely. We're happy that you've, you've chosen this league for sure. And, you've garnered a, a reputation in this league for letting players be themselves and really be creative on your, on the ice, which I would assume at this point is more your father's philosophy. So would you say this is a, uh, a fair characterization of you? Um, I, I do. I do. Um, certainly after last year, I, I would say the word, you know, that that's the way I'd love to play. If you've got the horses to do it um, and you've got the guys that are able to walk that line, like I said, if you, you know, if you're trying to run that, that way and, and guys aren't, uh, you know, doing the five or 10 things that you always have to do in hockey, then you've got to pull the reins a little bit. Right. So it's, it's pretty team dependent. I've had teams that I overcoached, um, because we needed systems to keep the puck in the other team's end and we weren't going to score many goals. And, um, I, would I love to let the guys play? Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful game. I think, uh, the natural players that stay on the right side of the puck and support the puck at the right distance. That's always so fun to watch. You can be a little more creative, a little tougher to coach against. Um, but you know, this many years, if you get the wrong, wrong uh, group of guys that don't have the self-discipline, you can't, you can't just let them go, you know? So it's uh, I would love to be that way. And I'm going to be as much that way as I possibly can with the horses that I've got. If that's uh, if that's not a confusing answer. No, that, that completely makes sense. But finally, we've saved the most important question for last. 
You guys played host, obviously, for the Exeter Showcase this past season. So can we expect the food to be as good this year during the mini showcase at Exeter? <laughs> we do kill it, don't we? Don't we? Uh, yeah. Pulled, pulled pork and mac and cheese. We don't mess around. No, that's no. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of the Seacoast Performance Academy way with Kurt Mallet at the helm and uh, running a first class. Everything everything they do. So uh, yeah, I, I would say I would say 100. We're proud of that showcase and and proud of the spread and the way we treat the uh, the college coaches coming in and and uh, we do we take pride in it. Thank you for noticing that. Of course, of course, it's something that the E crew definitely notices the most at those showcases so coach, <laughs> thank you for joining us uh, we can't wait to see you guys at worcester and best of luck this upcoming season i appreciate your time jake thanks i look forward to seeing you guys yeah take care coach all right bye now thanks for listening to the e-show learn more at easternhockeyleague.org and follow us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube also be sure to subscribe and get notified when next week's podcast is released